0: And now enjoy this free JayZoModcast Modcast show. Carry on my way, you son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry, Don't you cry. Everybody, and welcome to episode 149 of Loopa's Bits. Look at me being consistent. What a round of applause. <laughs> um, I am making a plan, I am enacting the plan, and so far the plan has only gone slightly off the rails. So we are doing all right in my books. I would, I would say that's a win. Um, we don't have any housekeeping. I don't know why we don't have any housekeeping. I can't remember. Well, I do know, but I can't remember. Let's let's put it that way. Um, so I want to talk to you about a few of the things that I have been doing this week. Oh, well, we do have some housekeeping. Oh, wow. I am all over the place today. This is what happens when I podcast in the morning while I drink my first cup of coffee. My brain is not focused yet. Annie, come downstairs, please. I'm also, there's the dog. Everybody else is quiet and asleep or at school. Except for the dog. And he might just get put outside because he's being a pain. He comes to the whistle, though. He'll come. Uh, The girls left their bedroom door open, so he's up there exploring new territory. Or he's usually down here trying to eat the cat. Anyway, so that's what you're gonna get is me yelling at the dog and the dryer going in the background. Last week you had the washing machine. this week you have the dryer but the dryer's not moving the dryers gonna stay right where it is. <coughs> so last week I was talking about discipline, uh, primarily self-discipline and what you do, what you can do, or what I was going to do. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned the steps that I was going to take. But um, one of the things that I find that works really, really well for me to create that self-discipline are lists. I make a list of the things that I have to get done that day, like laundry, dinner, magazine, writing, podcasting, putting laundry away, cleaning the bathroom, sweeping the floor. I put absolutely everything, minute things on the list. Because if you put put cup away on the counter on the list, you put that cup away on the counter, you get to scratch something on, off your list. And if you are a list maker or a list user or have ever used a list and found a modicum of satisfaction in it, you know the sheer pleasure in scratching something off that list. So, I made a list yesterday. And my list yesterday, because I, I started enacting my plan yesterday, because um, yesterday was Monday. Um, it was the last day of the girls, the day off yesterday, so it was the last day of the weekend. Um, and But Zoe was out, Lily was out, and I could start it yesterday, so I did. Anyway. Ah, uh, dogs back downstairs. So I made a list of today's chores, and it consisted of laundry, dinner, write a minimum of two thousand words, download and reply to the World of Myth magazine entries, and fill in planner, and do my bills. Well, I didn't write a minimum of two thousand words, but I did get a clear layout of what I'm working on, start to finish. What's going to happen, how it's going to get, where it's going, what the catalyst is, who the bad guy is, laid it all out. Uh, So I consider that a win. I didn't scratch it off the list because it's not exactly what I put on the list. I did do laundry. You can hear the last of it is in the dryer now. I did make dinner, took out, made, ate, cleaned up after dinner, um, I did fill in my planner, and I did do my bills, so I got to scratch those things off the list. I did not get to the magazine. So today's list is make my dad proud, because it is my dad's birthday today. It's the sixth, I'm recording on the 16th of January, and it is my dad's birthday today, and I want to wish him a very happy birthday. I know he can't hear it because he's dead, but yeah. first thing on my list today is make my dad proud. And one of the things that made my dad proud was his favorite saying was anything worth doing is worth doing right and always give 110%. It doesn't matter if you're shoveling chicken shit or if you're running the country, always give 110%. That was my dad. So that's going to be today. Uh, Take out dinner, which I've already done. Uh, Well, I didn't take it out because I don't have to take it out. I've decided what we're having. I've got dinner planned. And it doesn't have to come out till later. And then um, I have to check my bills to make sure that the two things that were scheduled to come out have come out. And then I need to write, work on the magazine, clean, and podcast, and then plan tomorrow. So, so far... It seems to be, you know, working very well. Now, there was a snafu this morning. Um, I don't hear the alarm when it goes off, so I had asked Dave to make sure he wakes me up. But I had a restless night, and I think he knew I had a restless night, so he let me sleep. Um, So I'm not going to be, like, mad at him. (laughs) Uh, We were both up... Late and then I was up later. Um, I had started exercising yesterday because that's something else. That's my my 2024 goals: is exercise, lose weight, um, walk more, cry less, that kind of stuff. So I started exercising yesterday. One of my favorite things to do is dance. So I have my headphones on and I'm bebopping around the kitchen and I'm getting into it and I'm dancing like I did in my 20s and my 30s. And then when I went to bed last night, my hips reminded me and my back reminded me that I'm not in my 20s or my 30s. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I took some ramaxacet, I don't know what you call it in the States, baclofen, I think. I don't know. Anyway, I took some some back medicine uh, more than I was supposed to because I didn't realize I had that many. Don't try and take medication in the dark. It's not a good idea. Anyway, so my back doesn't feel too bad today, so I'm going to exercise again today, whether it's take the dog for a walk, whether it's do my little 10-minute routine on the carpet and then lie there until somebody comes and picks me up, (laughs) whether it's throw on my headphones and dance for a few songs, whether it's get out my hula hoop and get back to hula hooping. I swear I am going to. I'll be right back. Brady, I'm back. had to chase a dog with a plastic ketchup bottle in his mouth. Yeah, he was in the girls' room. Stole a toy, came down here, taunted me with it. He doesn't chew them up, he just steals them, and then he'll bring them to me. Because what he's trying to do is get my attention. So anyway, that might be my exercise for today. Chasing the dog around, running up and down those stairs. Good gravy. Um, I also plan on making peanut butter fudge, but that's not in my get healthy plan. So we're just not going to talk about that. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, so I'm starting to enact my plan of self-discipline and, um, part of that is not drinking pop anymore. And it really helps that there isn't any in the house. Um, I'm not a big pop drinker, so to be here and have it readily available, I was drinking more than I normally do. Um, trying to eat healthier snacks, but again, you know, it is what it is. So, like, instead of having popcorn last night, I had a bowl of Rice Krispies. I really missed my popcorn. Now, mind you, in my defense, popcorn kind of keeps everything, you know, regular moving because, you know, corn. Um, Thankfully, it doesn't come back out reformed. Anyway, (laughs) Um, I've been sticking to my uh, plan. And so far, and I'm not I'm not beating myself up when I don't reach the goal that I have set for that day. Like today's goal was getting up early. That was going to be a tough one and it didn't happen. So I'm not beating myself up over that. Um, Oh, see, and here we are 10 minutes in and I had started giving you some housekeeping and forgot. Uh, I got distracted because, you know, I've only had three sips of coffee. make that four. So Robert Pietone's book still hasn't been released, but it will be released this month. Jim Bate, James Bates' Eye of the Beholder is coming out in February. Um, so is Adele Evershed, who was the first place winner of um, the OCC for 2023. And we will be starting into 2024 shortly. We will also be putting out the criteria for our next, uh, zombie works anthology soon. Um, and I want to, I'm giving everybody, um, a little bit more time than we normally do because it's going to be a little more difficult because we have some very specific criteria, especially concerning word count so uh be on the lookout for that and Jessica Alexandra's book is scheduled to come out in March um so that's what we have coming up i am working on stuff but it will it isn't for the magazine it isn't for um anything to do with the company this is personal stuff for me um and i'm still work i'm still working for the company i'm still doing stuff for the company okay the dog's having a nap now yay anyway so there minute h- housekeeping out of the way <laughs> so i am i am not beating myself up when i don't reach my self discipline goals because if i do then i know me it will go into my brain as a failure And I will give up. I will get the why bother. I will talk myself into convincing myself that I can't do it. So why should I even try? So in order for me to not um, do that, I need to release the responsibility of guilt. I need to be gentle with myself. I need to say, okay, you know what? I didn't get that done today, but I got this, this, and this done. And that's good enough. Now, I, I've i been pulling, i started yesterday, I started um, pulling my power cards again. And these were given to me by a friend. I have you for it. And they are power thought cards. And what they do... I'm trying to get in the box. Okay. So, affirmations are like planting seeds in the ground. It takes some time to go from a seed to a full-grown plant. And so it is with affirmations. And so it is with affirmations. It takes some time from the first declaration to the final demonstration. So be patient. And that's Louise L. Hay. She's the one that created these cards and they're a 64 card deck and they were gifted to me um, by a very sweet and dear friend that I love very much. So I had started doing it when I first got here. We were going to do, I was going to do it with the girls. We were going to each pull one every day and that lasted for about a day. And then interest fizzled off and me getting up in the mornings started to become an issue. Um, So I started yesterday, I pulled my first card yesterday, Uh, and today, and the card that I pulled, ironically, played right into um, my 2024 goals. So the card that I pulled today is I Love and Approve of Myself, and on the back it has like a little thing, so it says, I appreciate all that I do. I am good enough just as I am. I speak up for myself. I ask for what I want. I claim my power. So that's today's card. And that falls very much into the self-discipline and allowing yourself to make mistakes, allowing yourself to fail. Not necessarily fail, but recognizing that everything that you want to do might not be feasible in a day because life happens. Stuff happens. So allowing yourself the dignity of saying, I got this and this done, that and that, I didn't, but it's okay. I can try again tomorrow. And you take the things that you didn't get done and you move them to tomorrow's list, to the top of the list, and you start there. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, well, then you're always running at a deficit. You're always going to be behind because you're never going to get everything done in a day that's why you make small lists like my list yesterday had one two three four five six things on it six for an entire day and i got four out of the six and i would consider five out of the six because i did flesh out the story i did sit down which is not something that i do if any of you know how i write You know that I sit down at the keyboard with an idea and let the story tell itself. I don't plot it. I don't plan it. I have a main character in my brain, and then all the rest are like, oh, that's a surprise. (laughs) Who are you? Where'd you come from? Um, I don't plot. I'm a pantser, not a plotter. But because what I'm doing is something that I'm going to try and present to somebody else, I felt that I needed to sit down and I needed to plot it out. I needed to know where I was going with the story and what was going to happen with the story. So I did that, and that was very difficult for me. Usually it's very difficult for me, but I found as I was enacting my self-discipline, as I was enacting my plan and going down my list and doing the, the things that I had set out to do, reaching my goals, I found that my creative side, when I sat down to to plot the story, just kind of flowed, just kind of came to me. And within minutes, I had three pages, four pages, three pages, one, two, two and a half, almost three pages. Of plotting, jot notes from start to finish. So I that made me very happy. Um, I know what to do with the story now. I just have to put in all the extra words. So that is is the main topic. I've finally come around to the main topic of our conversation today, and that is not self discipline, but writer's block. And writer's block kind of plays into the self discipline. Um, rule, almost. So, you're self-disciplined. You sit down every day. You write for two hours. Now, I know some writers, Stephen King being one of them, might sit down and write 50 words a day. Uh, Terry Gaiman, uh, uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, they all had points in their career where they struggled to write. Sometimes it would be 50 words, but they would stick to their self-discipline. They would sit down at a certain time and write for a certain amount of time. Didn't have to be a certain amount of words. Because let me tell you, sometimes it is really hard. It'll take you 5 hours to get 50 words. But they had to write for a certain amount of time. They had to be at the computer, at their their typewriter in front of their notepad with their pen whatever. Um, I don't subscribe to the notion of writer's block. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you will have heard me talk about writer's block. I don't believe in writer's block. I don't. And yes, I myself have experienced long periods of time where I have found it difficult to write, where I haven't been able to come up with a new idea, or a new thought, or continue writing what I was already writing. Now, some of you, a lot of you, professional and otherwise, would say, that's writer's block. Now, I'm going to read you the Wikipedia, because everybody knows Wikipedia is the end-all, be-all of information. (laughs) This is Wikipedia's definition of writer's block. And it is a non-medical condition primarily associated with writing, well, duh, in which an author is either unable to produce new work or experiences a creative slowdown. Writer's block has various degrees of severity, from difficult in coming up with original ideas to being unable to produce work for years. This condition is not solely measured by time passing without writing. It is measured by time passing without productivity in the task at hand. Writer's block has been an acknowledged problem throughout recorded history. However, not until 1947 was the term writer's block coined by the Austrian psychiatrist Edmund Bergler. Probably not how you pronounce it, but that's phonetically how it's pronounced. All types of writers, including full-time professionals, academics, workers of creative projects, and those trying to finish writing assignments can experience writer's block. The condition has many causes— Some that are even unrelated to writing. The majority of writer's block researchers agree that most causes of writer's block have an affective, psychological, motivational, and cognitive component. So, studies have found effective coping strategies to deal with writer's block. These strategies to remove the anxiety about writing range from ideas such as free writing and brainstorming to talking to a professional, go get some therapy. So, throughout history, writer's block has been a documented problem. Pro, uh, professionals who have struggled with the affliction include authors such as F. Scott Fitzgerald, Joseph Mitchell, composer Sergei Rashmaninoff, and even Adele. Um, I've lost where I was. There we are. Early romantic writers did not understand much about the topic. They assumed writer's block was due to a power that did not want them to write anymore, became slightly more recognized during the time of French symbolists, late 19th century art movement, who had famously recognized poets that gave up writing early in their careers because they were unable to find the language to convey their message. See, not writer's block. They just needed to create their own language. During the Great American Novel Period, mid-18th to 19th century, it was widely recognized as something that would block a writer and cause them emotional instability. Research concerning this topic was done in the late 1970s and the 80s. During this time, researchers were influenced by the process and post-process movements and therefore focused specifically on the writer's processes. The condition was first described in 1947 by Austrian psychoanalyst. Edmund Burglar, who described it as being caused by oral machisms, mothers that bottle fed, and an unstable private love life. Wow! (laughs) The growing reputation of psychiatry in the United States made the term gain more recognition. However, some writers may have already suffered from writer's block years before Burglar described it, such as Herman Melville, who stopped writing novels a few years after writing Moby Dick. Okay, you know what? I'd probably stop writing after writing Moby Dick, too. So, writer's block can have several causes. Some are creative problems that originate within an author's work itself. A writer may run out of inspiration or be distracted by other events. See, life happens. The writer Elizabeth Gilbert, reflecting on her post-bestseller prospects, proposed that such a pressure might be released by interpreting creative writers as having genius rather than being a genius. The The fictional example can be found in George Orwell's novel, Keep the Epsodistra. Oh, wait, I I pronounced that wrong. Absidistra Flying, in which the protagonist, Gordon Comstock, struggled in vain to complete an epic poem describing a day in London. It was too big for him. That was the truth. It had never really progressed, and it, simply, it had simply fallen apart into a series of fragments. Now, you see, my method of dealing with something that seems too big for me to handle is something that my mother taught me when I was very young. Um, don't look at the mountain. Take it one rock at a time. Deal with one part at a time. So if you're trying to write this epic poem, do it one stanza at a time. Don't think of the whole, think of each piece. When you shower, you don't wash your entire body all at once, you start with your hair or you start with your feet. It would be a good idea to probably start from the top and work down. You wash your hair, you wash your face, you wash your shoulders, your neck, your pits, your arms, your hands, your chest, chesticles, if you have them, your belly, your butt, your bits, your legs, your knees, your shins, your calves, your feet, you're done. But you take it one part at a time. You don't think about how you're going to bend and wash your feet while you're applying shampoo to your hair. You're thinking about the shampoo in your hair. So when you have something big, Like you have to write a book, you're commissioned to write a book, you take it a chapter at a time. Sometimes you have to take it a paragraph at a time, a line at a time, a word at a time. So, it has been suggested that writer's block is more than just a mentality. Under stress, a human brain will shift control from the cerebral cortex to the limbic system. The limbic system is associated with the intellectual processes such as fight or flight responses and behavior that is based on deeply ingrained training. The limited input from the cerebral cortex hinders a person's creative processes, which is replaced by the behaviors associated with the limbic system. A person is often unaware of the change, which may lead them to believe they are creatively blocked. See, not blocked, just under stress. In her 2004 book, The Midnight Disease, The Drive to Write, Writer's Block, and the Creative Brain, wow, she obviously couldn't decide on a title, the writer and neurologist Alice W. Flaherty had argued that literary creativity is a function of specific areas of the brain that, and that block may be the result of brain activity being disrupted in those areas. Dr. Flaherty suggested in her writing that there are many diseases that may impact one of one's ability to write. One of which she refers to is hypergraphia, or the intense desire to write. She points out that in this condition, the patient's temporal lobe is afflicted, usually by damage, and it may may be the same changes in this area of the brain that can contribute to writer's blocking behavior. Not to be confused with writer's block, agraphia is a neurological disorder caused by trauma or stroke causing difficulty in communicating through writing. Agraphia cannot be treated directly, but it is possible to relearn certain writing abilities. Other research identifies neurological malfunctions as a cause. Malcolm T. Cunningham showed these malfunctions can be linked to trauma, both mental and physical. Physical damage can produce writer's block. If a person experiences tissue damage in the brain, i.e. a stroke, it is likely to lead to their complications apart from the lesion itself. This damage causes an extreme form of writer's block known as a graphia, which we just discussed. Um, But that's not what I'm dealing with today. I'm dealing with a perfectly functioning brain not being able to write. So some other causes of writer's block has been due to writer's anxiety. Writer's anxiety is defined as being worried with one's words or thoughts, thus experiencing writer's block. For a composition perspective, Lawrence Oliver said in his article Helping Students Overcome Writer's Block, students receive little or no advice on how to generate ideas or explore their thoughts, and they usually must proceed through the writing process without guidance or corrective feedback from the teacher, who withholds comments and criticisms until grading the final product. He said that students learn to write by writing and often they are insecure or paralyzed by rules. Phyllis Kostenbaum wrote in her article, The Secret Climate the Year I Stopped Writing, about her trepidation toward writing, claiming it was tied directly to her instructor's response. She said, I needed to write to feel, but without feeling, I couldn't write. In contrast to Kostenbaum's experience, Nancy Summers stated that papers do not end when students finish writing. And that neither should instructors comments she urges a partnership between writers and instructors so that responses become a conversation and that's kind of how i edit i don't edit with criticism i don't edit with um absolutes it's a conversation between me and the author i make a suggestion and the author can either respond to that suggestion Follow that suggestion or come up with a suggestion of their own. And then we have a conversation about how we're going to work that certain area. Um, Herman A. Estrin, in his article, Motivation in Composition Writing, writes, When freshmen are assigned such topics for a research paper, as they have no real background of the subject for an in-depth paper, they prepare a mechanical, lifeless paper with no creativity, imagination, or originality. According to him, freshman students write well about topics they are passionate about. Everybody writes better when they write about things they are passionate about. Aline Alves-Wold, in her article, Assessing Writing Motivation, a Systematic Review of K-5 Students Self-Reports, states that there is a general lack of research on the motivation of students to write in the first few years of education which is problematic when one considers how important initial experiences are in motivating students to write. Success generally enhances one's belief in their efficiency, efficacy, whereas failure weakens them. These mechanisms are particularly evident in early phases of skill development, where failure typically occurs before a sense of efficacy has been firmly established. This implies that children in their first years of school have writer self-beliefs that are particularly malleable and dynamic. Writing development is therefore both enhanced and endangered during the first years in school. Mike Rose stated that writer's block can be used by a writer's history in writing, rules, and restrictions from the past. Writers can be hesitant of what they write based on how it will be perceived by the audience. Meng Ling states that there is a negative correlation between self-efficacy and avoidance goals in studies on writing apprehension and writer's block, which suggests that having hesitations about writing may lead to less effort and thus less success. James Adams noted in his book Conceptual Blockbusting that various reasons blocks occur include fear of taking a risk, chaos in the pre-writing stage, judging versus generating ideas, and inability to incubate ideas or lack of motivation. In Motivation in the Writing Center, a Peer Tutor's Experience, Leonie Kirchhoff states, now are you noticing that there are a lot of people with opinions on writer's block? Are you noticing that? So, Leonie states, the concept of a motivation describes a lack of motivation due to the individual's feeling of incompetence and helplessness. Demotivation is the process of reducing or diminishing motivational basis for behavior or ongoing actions through external influences. An external factor such as feedback may affect demotivation, whereas an internal factor such as pessimistic expectations may cause mo- a motivation. Even so, both concepts are similar, have similar effects on writers. Now, Irene Clark describes the following strategies for coping with writer's block. Class and group discussions, journaling, free writing, brainstorming, clustering, list making, and engaging with the text. I'm a big believer in making lists. It's at least some form of writing. Oliver suggests asking writers questions to uncover their writing process. He then recommends solutions such as systematic questioning, free writing, and encouragement. A recent study of 2,500 writers aimed to find techniques that writers themselves use to overcome writer's block. The research discovered a range of solutions from altering the time of day to write and setting deadlines to lowering expectations and using mindfulness meditation. Yeah, you know what? I am. I can't. I cannot meditate to save my soul. If my life depended on it, I'd be dead because I cannot meditate. I have tried. Trust me. 30 years of trying to meditate. Now, I can put myself in a quiet state where I'm just listening to everything going on around me. I'm not moving. I'm not thinking about anything else but what's going on around me. I'm listening to the sounds. I hear people talking. I hear the birds listening to the wind. I feel the grass, all of that stuff. But I cannot take like there was a meditation that I had to do for a class where we had to build our psychic temple and we had to go there and yeah, no, not happening. I can't do a guided meditation very well because I cannot quiet my brain and shut off my ears enough to allow my creative side to follow the words down into, I, and I bet betcha, Dimes to donuts? You can't hypnotize me, because I am way too nosy. I need to know what's going on around me. So I can do a calming, zen-like sitting, but I can't meditate. Um, so, Gabrielle Rico's concern with the mind links to brain lateralization. Also explored by Rose and Linda Flowers and jo- John R. Hayes, among others. Rico's book, Writing the Natural Way, looks into invention strategies such as clustering, which has been noted to be an inventive invention strategy used to help writers overcome their blocks. And further emphasis on solutions presented in works by Rose, Oliver, and Clark, similar to Rico, James Adams discusses right brain involvement in writing, while Bill Downey proposes that he is basing his approach in practical concerns. His concentration on right brain techniques speaks to cognitive theory approaching similar to Rico's and a more practical advice for writers to approach their writer's block. Mike Rose mentions to peer tutors provide supportive feedback so that blocked writers can feel secure in sharing their problems and experiencing and experimenting with new ideas about writing. Now, it's also important to evaluate the environment in which the writing is being produced to determine if it is the best condition to work in. One must look into these different factors to determine if it is good or bad, if it is is a good or bad environment to work in. Psychologists who have studied writer's block have concluded that it is a treatable condition once the writer finds a way to remove anxiety and build confidence in themselves. Sarah Ahmed and Dominique Gus, I don't know, states that solutions for coping with writer's block include using more effect, efficient writing strategies during the composing process, more effective goal-setting strategies, and even brainstorming ideas with others. Here we are. though this is one of the things that I talked about, splitting the writing into smaller pieces. Researchers have showed, research has shown that it is highly effective if one breaks the work into pieces rather than doing all of the writing in one sitting in order to produce good quality work. While it can be helpful to split up the writing process into pieces, Patricia Houston suggests that starting with different sections of a paper rather than trying to start with an introduction can be a useful strategy to cope with writer's block. You can do the same thing with a story, with a novel. If you have a great idea for a fight scene or something, write it down, write it out. And then figure out where it goes in the story later. Write it. And and you will find, at least I do, you will find that as you're... Okay, so when I was working on Eternally Bound, I had numerous scenes laid out in front of me. I had um, the assault scene with uh, Duncan's daughter. I had the battle where um, Lance is on the ridge looking down and his... Brother Tristan dies. I have um, all. I had all the flashbacks between Belle and Gwen. I had um, Abby's death. I had this. I had that. And they were all just printed out, stapled together, laying in front of me. And then I would sit and I would go, "Okay, this belongs at the beginning of the story," and I would put beginning. And then I would write middle. And then I would write end. And then I would narrow it down even more. I would take all the beginning pieces. Okay, this is first. This is second. This is third. Wait, now I have all these left over. Okay, so this one kind of ties into one, but it's not two. So it's 1.1. And I would organize them that way. And then I would sit down and I do what I call, I don't know if it's a technical term, but I would do... I would add joining words. So I would take number one, the beginning of the story. Here we are. And I would write it out and then I would connect it somehow. I would write those connecting words to 1.1. And then I would go from 1.1 and connect that to 2. And so on and so on and so on. Um, I did that with The Chosen because I wrote The Chosen in uh, monthly pieces in the magazine. So I would write 2,500 words a month, 3,000 words a month, and then when it was being put into a book, I would go back and I would take each section and write connecting words, add a paragraph or two, sometimes even a couple of pages to connect that one section to the next section, and so on and so on. So, yeah, smaller pieces. Free writing. Free writing is widely accepted technique for overcoming writer's block. Taught by Peter Elbow, free writing is similar to brainstorming, but is written in prose, in prose form without stopping. To free write, one writes without pausing to think or edit. I can't do that. Oh, I can't. My brain doesn't work that way. I, if I'm writing and I've made a mistake, I have to go back and correct it. Especially if it's a spelling mistake. I have to go back and correct it. I can't just let it go. Uh, and one pours raw ideas onto paper. Author Benjamin Solomon describes the, the rationale for the technique. Writer's block is a rut, a ditch, a trap, a swampy mire, and in order to lift yourself out, you need to do something, anything, to jog yourself into motion. Bingo! This is something I can get behind. This is something that I talk about all the time with people. I have actually had two people come to me recently for advice um, and help with their writer's block. One was feeling uninspired. One was just feeling like they couldn't write at all. So two different problems. I gave one an assignment and they are now knee deep in, you know, ass deep in alligators writing away. And the other one. We have only just started the process of working through their writer's block. So he's actually come up with ideas himself, which the one I can give an assignment, I can say, I want this, give me this, and they won't necessarily give me what I've asked for, but it will take that stump out of the way, and then they can their, their creativity starts flowing again. The other one, I can't say to them, give me this, because they will write something that is half-assed, that they don't like, and that was forced. So, with them, I need to allow them to navigate the stump themselves with gentle guidance. And... We've come up with some, he's come up with some ideas that I fully support that I think will help him get back into the, because he will be writing. And through that, I think he will then be able to start adding the descriptive words, the creative words, and take it from there. So both of them are now writing. Whereas when we started, neither one of them were. Uh, So Cheryl Armstrong, who worked with the South Coast Writing Project, stated that one can free write about anything, even a completely different subject that one is going to write about. Any writing will do. Oliver claims that after free writing, the writer is able to analyze many ideas that might not have been generated before and develop a clearer sense of what theme is trying to be communicated through the writing. Lawrence J. Oliver suggests that free writing is another effective method that has helped people deal with writer's block. The method consists of writing down ideas or thoughts about a certain topic. Free writing doesn't focus on grammar or style. There is only one rule for this method, and that is to keep on writing. Educators should also never read students' free writing unless asked to. Now, my thing with free writing, I cannot just write without grammar or spelling. I just can't. That's not how my brain works. If I have to try and just leave spelling mistakes, that's when I write it. That's when I run into a block. That's when I just I have to go back and fix the the spelling mistakes. Grammar, not so much. Um, I worry about that later, but spelling, I, I don't know. Maybe because I had an aunt for a school teacher for an aunt. Um, my dad was very adamant on spelling because he couldn't spell very well. So I'm like a walking dictionary some days, but I have to, I can't just write with spelling mistakes. I have to fix them. So, What I suggest for people who are like that um, and who can't just free write, write something that you've never written before. Write in a genre that you're not used to writing in. Try writing a poem, a limerick, a drabble. It's 100 words. It's all you got to do. 100 words. Put them down. They do not have to make sense. Just put them down. Write a list. Write a grocery list. But make it a creative grocery list. Like, describe what you have to... Don't just put bananas. Put yellow, phallic-shaped, comes in a bunch, and then go to the grocery store and try and shop that way. Because <laughs> that's even more fun. Um, because that gets your mind into the descriptive, creative, coming up with different ways to describe something. Um write, rewrite something old, pull up something you've written before, take a look at it, start typing it out. When I was writing Eternally Bound, I got, for lack of a better term, blocked at chapter nine. I couldn't move past chapter nine. And in reality, it's because I was trying to make the story go in a direction that my characters at the point we were at in chapter nine, weren't ready to go in yet. So I was trying to force the story that wasn't there. And once I stopped doing it, I must've wrote out chapters one through nine, a hundred times. If I wrote it out once to help me move past it. And then one day I hit the end of chapter nine. And the next thing I know, I was writing chapter 10 and then chapter 11. And then my mom gave me a deadline. She wanted the book by Christmas. And then I was just writing like crazy. Um, But when I reached chapter nine, what had happened was I had run out of all the the scenes that I had written. So I had a general idea of where I wanted the story to go. And my characters went, (laughs) no, that's not what we're doing today. That's not where we are. We have a few more things we need to do to get to there. Um, And once I just let them be, I wrote. So rewrite stuff that you've already written. And sometimes as you're rewriting it, I've done this with Magically Bound, too. I must have written the prologue, I don't know, five, six times now. I change it every time. I add something or I go, oh, wait, this will work better. This sounds better. And I've done that so many times now to the point where I'm not doing it again because I'm not changing it again. That's it. It's done. So that's another way that you can use to um, help yourself overcome the inability to put words on paper. Now, they're suggesting mind mapping is another potential solution. This technique involves writing a stream of consciousness on a horizontal piece of paper and connecting any similar or linked. It's a lot of work. This exercise is is intended to help a writer suffering from writer's block to bypass the analytical or critical functioning of their brain and access the creative functioning more directly, stimulating a flow of ideas. Other techniques similar to clustering and mind mapping are the writing of notes on cards in a card file, a non-linear electronic writing using hypertext. Take that as you will. Um... Oh, recording. Recording is another way. This is not on this this article. This is another way that I use. I will take my voice recorder and I will talk. Because sometimes my brain works faster than my hands and I get frustrated. So I will record what I'm seeing in my head. Because for me, that's how my writing plays out. I watch it as a movie in my head. So I will record it. I will say blah, 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 this is happening and this is what the scenery looks like and this is what this character says, this is what that character says and then they go and do this, like I'm telling a story to somebody. Positive self-beliefs and encouragement. Camacho Alves Bascalo wrote about enhancing students' writing motivation in the classroom. She says that to foster students' positive self-beliefs and beliefs about writing, Teachers must nurture their self-beliefs as well as their beliefs about the writing task. Now, this is for students that have a teacher that gives them a task. When you are an individual out into the world writing on your own and you don't have a teacher saying, write an essay on blah, blah, blah. Okay? When you're trying to write something, create something out of nothing, basically, You have to be the one to nurture your self-beliefs as well as your beliefs about the writing task. You're the one that has to give yourself positive reinforcement. And that, my friends, is probably the hardest thing to do in the world. Is to give yourself positive reinforcement. Because we are our worst critics. And if you are struggling and you are having imposter syndrome and you believe you're not a writer and that you can't write, go back and look at things that you've written. Go back and look at things that you've had published, whether it was in a free magazine, whether it was in an anthology. Somebody somewhere believed you could write. Therefore, you can write. It's as simple as that. If you have written something before, has a beginning, a middle, and an end, kind of, the end is subjective. (laughs) Because if you know me, you know I have problems with just ending something. I am not a one and done kind of person. Um, But if you have written something, and if you have put it out there, if somebody has read it, it doesn't even matter if they've read it. If you have written something, go back and read it. Because you wrote it. You're a writer. It's that simple. That simple. I've gone back and read poems that I wrote 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I've looked at them and went, damn, did I write that? I must have wrote that. It's got my name on it. I don't remember writing it. The words don't seem familiar. But I wrote it. So... Therefore, I know I can write. Or at least I used to be able to write. And writing isn't a skill that just vanishes unless you have damage to your brain. Writing isn't something that goes away. Like um, being able to bend over and touch your toes without your back going, ah! I'm sorry, after the age of 40, or being able to sit on the floor for a long period of time and just jump right up like a 20-year-old in your 50s. Writing isn't something that goes away. Creativity isn't something that goes away. My grandmother, prime example. never knew my grandmother was a creative person until she had Alzheimer's. She kept it to herself. She would write little things in a book. She would share little stories with my grandfather. None of us knew until she had Alzheimer's until that filter between brain and mouth was gone. And then she would start telling us about these grand adventures that she would go on during nap time. Or when the sun would go down and the Alzheimer's would get worse, the symptoms would get worse um, she would start, say, well, I have to go here, and there's this big party going on, and all these people are here, and she would be describing these lavish events that we know she'd never been to. So creativity doesn't go away. We just get in our own way, basically. So writer's block is basically just you standing in front of yourself, kicking rocks, Looking around, you know, like somebody standing in, you know, you're trying to move through a crowd. There's that one person that is looking at you and they know you're trying to move forward. And every time you move to the left, they move to the left. Every time you move to the right, they move to the right. You want to just pick them up and throw them. That's kind of how I see writer's block. I don't see it as a block, really. I see it as a temporary inconvenience that is overcomable. I know that's not a word. You can overcome it. Um, And everybody in this article has stated, and there's a lot of people in this article, everybody in this article has stated you can overcome writer's block. And I think for me, the biggest thing, and I haven't really had a writer's block since I got stuck on chapter nine. I have had a lack of motivation, I have had a lack of desire, haven't had a lack of creativity, it's been there. Um, Once I removed the term writer's block from my vocabulary and subscribed to the belief that it does not exist, that it is a temporary problem caused by lack of desire, lack of motivation, lack of discipline. Then when I sit down to write, I am able to produce something that is somewhat coherent and marginally good. Um, It took me 14 years to write that first book. Since then, I have been in six anthologies and written the chosen penance musings from me and ulterior motives four more books ulterior motives isn't out there not yet um i have also now sat down to write another book to be turned into a screenplay that's the end goal for that um i've written numerous new poems, drabbles. I've written in genres that I never thought I could write in. Um, Every single one of my books is a different genre. My very first book that I thought that's where I was going to be, that's where I was going to write, that was going to be my niche, was historical romance fiction with magical realism and paranormal elements. That's where I thought I was going to be. Boom. There we go. That's what I'm writing. The Chosen, pure fantasy. It's got magic. It's got trolls and demons and you name it. It's got it. Pure fantasy. Penance, horror, horror, vampire, werewolf, gin, shapeshifter, witch, horror. Um, musings for me, poetry, all poetry. So you see. You're not limited to one specific genre. Creativity isn't limited. You can write anything that you want to write. You just have to believe that you can. I haven't tried sci-fi yet. That one, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'll have to see. But I'm going to, because I want to see if I can. So... My suggestions for you, if you are struggling from a form of writer's block, is um, another thing to do, another way to overcome it, is go out into the people. I know, I know, as a Gen Xer, we all hate the people, because most of the people are annoying and stupid, or entitled. But... Go to the mall, go to a cafe, go to a coffee shop and just sit and listen. Take a book so you don't look like you're eavesdropping. Make make it look like you're reading. Turn the page every once in a while Um, and just listen to life around you. Look out your window. And as you're doing that, look around, look at the couple sitting over there. You can't hear their conversation. But what if? Create a scenario for that couple. He's a banker. She's a street. Walk, whatever. Whatever. Get creative. Find ways to get creative. Go for a walk. Imagine. Go for a walk down a trail and imagine that it's the 1800s and you're walking back with, you know, food for your family, or you're heading out on a hunt to feed your village, whatever. Create a story in your head as you're walking through the forest. Listen to the sounds of the forest. If you want to write fantasy, see if you can see a fairy. Just create something. There are a multitude of ways to kickstart those creative juices flowing sometimes it flows like molasses in January slow and thick and yeah and sometimes it flows like maple sap from a maple tree in the spring fast and quick and thin and it's there and and you don't have to worry about it and it's easy But it's always there and you can always do it. You just have to sometimes put in a little more effort than other times. And that's where your self-discipline comes in. Now, sometimes they suggest a specific time to write and a specific environment to write. But if you have a family, if you live in a house with other people, your environment is going to be loud and noisy. You're going to get interrupted you're going to be bombarded other people in the house are going to question ask you questions and and interrupt you and demand things like food so you have to adapt to your surroundings i don't think like a lot of older writers they have a, they they have the financial ability have a room where they can go in and close the door and it's their writing room and nobody can disturb them and they sit down with their whiskey and their cigarette or their cigar they open their window they have their music perfect lighting, whatever but the average Joe that's writing doesn't have all that we don't have the financial ability to do that because I will tell you And some of you may not remember this or may not realize this. We don't go into writing, we don't go into getting published to become rich. Chances are, not gonna happen. Chances are, you're gonna get a royalty check maybe every couple of years, maybe. Unless you get signed by a big publisher, big brand name publisher. You're not going to get rich writing. Stephen King still writes. Laura K. Hamilton still writes. And they've both been writing for over 30 years. They are number one New York Times bestsellers. Stephen King's books have been made into movies. He still writes. A, because he has the drive to write. He has the initiative to write. He has the need to to write and be because he's got to put money in the bank so don't think you're going to get rich writing because it generally doesn't happen and if you are making good money writing you are writing every single day and you are churning out books every year look at how many books Nora Roberts has put out Danielle Steele Laurel K Hamilton you have to put out product in order to sell product one book is not going to garner you the money that you want to have two books are not going to garner you the money 12 books are not going to garner you the money that you want to have so keep writing and i am always open for advice and help and i'm not a professional by any stretch of the imagination i have just i have life experience and I have been writing for pretty much my entire life. I have experienced trauma that I have had to work through. And they say write what you know. Not necessarily. I think you can be more creative when you write what you don't know. Um, especially if it's fiction. Because you can take poetic license with fiction. I love that. I completely recreated the origin stories for vampires, werewolves, djinn, shapeshifters, witches. I completely recreated, yes, you're listening, recreated their origin stories. Why? Because it's fiction and I could. So I did. That's The Chosen, by the way. You can get it at MythMart.com or Amazon. Or no, that's not The Chosen. What am I saying? That's Penance. Penance, my most recent book. Yes. Shameless self-plug right there. Anyway, um, I think I'm going to end this here. So if you want to contact me and maybe have me help you work through your writer's block, I would be more than happy to do that. You can find me on Facebook at LupaBarty. You can find me on TikTok at LupasBits, the podcast, uh, the TikTok. You can find me at uh, my email, I believe, is lupasbits at gmail.com. Or you can email me at lupabardy, L U P A B A R D Y, at gmail.com. Or just shoot me a message on Facebook. I'm here. Um, if you want me to do some editing, I do have an editing business. I charge $3 a page. Um, and you can get a hold of me, shoot me a message on Facebook, or you can um send it to SJB Freelance 1972 at gmail.com. Uh yeah. And I will be more than willing to help you. Now, if you're already... I don't charge for the books that come through the company. Because they're through the company. But if we're not publishing your book. Or haven't considered publishing your book. I do charge $3 a page for outside editing. Girls gotta make them a living, right? So, alright everybody. You know the drill. You know what you're supposed to do. Be the kind friend. Be creative, keep writing, and don't lick shit. You can write about licking shit, but don't lick shit. All right, everybody. Till next week. See ya. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry!